an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Take your Bibles and go to Genesis chapter 1. It's a scripture that we looked at quite a bit because it is the foundation of God's desire and God's will for the church and for the world at this time. All right, Genesis chapter 1, let's start in verse 26. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God sent unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowls of the air, and over everything that moves upon the earth. Basically, if you're at home right now, which you probably are, just get your Bible, follow along. You want to mark these scriptures. You want to go back over them. You want to study them. This basically is God's purpose and God's will of why he created the earth, why he created mankind, why he did everything. What did he want to do? He wanted to create a visible place called earth, and he wanted to put man on that earth to have dominion, as it says here. In other words, to rule and reign and be the ruler of earth itself. God is in heaven. He's got heaven under control. He wanted a family, basically, to do rulership on earth. So he created man in his own image and likeness, and he let them have dominion. That word dominion is authority. That word is management. That word is for man to basically be in control of everything that was on the earth. All right, go to Proverbs chapter 19. I'm going to read this scripture the way it's in the King James, but then I want to give you another translation that makes it a little bit easier to understand. All right, Proverbs chapter 19, look at verse 21. It says, There are many devices in man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, it shall stand. The translation that I got is, many are the plans in the heart of a man, but God's purpose will prevail. Basically, if you look at this scripture, you're going to find out that God is motivated by one thing, and that is his purpose. He's not motivated by our plans. He's motivated by his purpose. What is his purpose? Well, we just read his original purpose. Let us make man in our image. Let him have dominion over the earth. In other words, God wanted a kingdom. He wanted another place for to have rulership and reign over, so he created man to do that. So God's purpose will prevail over your plans. And this is why your plans have to line up with his purpose. Otherwise, you're going to have plans that are not lined up. You're not going to be successful in those areas. You're going to get frustrated because God won't do anything for you. But the problem is your plans are not in line with his purpose. His purpose is what matters to God. Purpose means original intent. It means the why that something was created. So God's original intent and purpose was to extend the kingly kingdom and atmosphere into a place called earth, and he didn't want to come here and do it. He wanted to do that through mankind. So God's will is God's purpose, what he originally intended to do. Purpose also answers one question, the question, why? Why did God create the earth? Why did God create heaven? Why did God create man? The big question is, why did he create you? 
it's important for you to know why you were created, what you're doing here, and what you're supposed to be doing here so you can be successful in your life. Success basically has to do with you finding out what your purpose is and then basically fulfilling the purpose that you were created to do. Otherwise, you're not going to be successful in God's eyes. Success is they've created dishwashers. What are dishwashers for? Dishwashers are to get your dishes clean. They created and they manufactured cars. What are cars for? They have a purpose. What is the purpose? To take me from point A to take me to point B. Everything in the earth realm that you see was created, and it was created for a specific purpose. Now, if you have a dishwasher that doesn't get, take any water on it, doesn't do your dishes, how many know it may be a dishwasher? It may have a brand name on it, but it's still not successful because it's not fulfilling the purpose for which it was created to do. If you have a car and the darn thing won't start, how I many you know you may have the nicest car in the whole world, but it's not going to fulfill the purpose for which it was created, so it's unsuccessful. So now we find out just from what we read so far, why was man created? Was he created to sing? Was he created to dance? Was he created to worship? No. The Bible says he was created to have dominion and rule and reign on this earth. So if you're born in the kingdom of God and you're a citizen of the kingdom of God and you're not ruling and reigning, you are not fulfilling the purpose that God put you here. I don't care how successful you look. I don't care how well things are gone. If you're not fulfilling his purpose, you are unsuccessful in what you should be doing here on the earth. Here it says, many are the plans in a man's heart. Many people have plans. I had tons of plans when I was younger. I was going to be a DJ, praise God. I was going to be on the stages with all the rock singers, hallelujah, have long hair and do all that stuff. But how do you know that was a plan? But it wasn't quite in the purpose of God. So when I got born again and came to the kingdom of God and found out that what my purpose was, ruling and reigning here on the earth, I decided I better make my plans according to his purpose. So what did I do? I started opening my Bible. I started reading it. I started basically studying the kingdom of God, trying to find out how to live in the kingdom of God, how to teach the kingdom of God. Basically, everything that I was doing now, my plans were lining up with his purpose. If your plans line up with his purpose, you're going to be successful in a lot of areas of your life because God's original intent is what he wants done in this earth realm. Imagine if you lived a long time and you got up in your 80s and 90s and you're just about ready to move on to the next realm and all at once you understood that you hadn't did anything at all, you were successful, boy, you had a lot of money, you got a couple of houses, but you had not done one thing to make yourself successful in God's eyes. Many times in the earthly eyes, everybody's successful, but we're talking about God's eyes. We're talking about eternity. We're talking about a spirit that's going to live forever. So it's important for you basically to be successful in what God has called you to do and he's called you to manage the earth and have dominion over things on the earth. I read one time the greatest failure in life is to be successful in the wrong thing. So you don't want to get to the end of your life. Maybe you've been a Christian for quite a while now. Maybe you've been born again for 30 years and you still don't understand what the heck you're doing. That's why you have to start studying the kingdom of God, find out God's purpose in your life. It's in your plan should then be based on his purpose of what he wants to do, mankind to rule and mankind to reign. And God's not going to change his purpose. No matter how many times I mess up, no matter how many times Adam messed up, no matter how many times mankind messed up, even if you mess up, God's purpose never changes. His original intent stays there the whole time, so we need to get in line with his intentions and with his purpose. That way we'll see success in our lives. All right, just jump up to Matthew chapter 4. Tried to abide by what I was taught in Bible college where I don't distract people. I stay right behind the pulpit so everybody stays focused on everything, but I don't know how long this is going to go, so we'll just wait and see how long it happens. <laughs> All right, Matthew chapter 4, look at verse 17. Oh, no, back to verse 13. 
This was Jesus' first thing he spoke, the first preaching that he actually did. Notice what it says, Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent. Why should I repent? Because the kingdom of God is now at hand. In other words, Jesus came and said, You need to repent. Now, that word repent has been with sin so long that we don't understand repent. Actually means changing the way that you think. Well, why should I repent, Jesus? Why would that be your first lesson to me because the way of thinking that we've been brought up with does not line up with kingdom of God thinking so he says my ways are not your ways my thoughts are not your thoughts you are going to have to change the way that you think and the way that you do things you're going to have to repent and line up with me because the kingdom of heaven is different than what you know so once again Jesus first message what was it to restore back the original intent of God himself bring back the kingdom of God into the earth realm and get man back to his position of ruling and reigning here on the earth he wanted to establish God's kingdom here on the earth. We pray the Our Father, His kingdom come, His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is God's purpose, that is God's goal. All right, go to Matthew chapter 5. Look at verse 17. Jesus is still speaking. He says, Think not that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets. I've not come to destroy but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, Till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all things be fulfilled. So here's Jesus. He came. He didn't bring a new concept. He was not bringing some new idea. He was not bringing a new purpose. He did not come here to change the laws. Basically, he came to fulfill the law. The law was basically out there in the Old Testament for man to try to return to righteousness with God by obeying the Ten Commandments or all the other commandments, and we all know that man could not do that. So Jesus came to restore righteousness back to mankind through his blood, through his work, not your work. That's got to be good news. So through his work, basically, you've been stored to a right standing, right position in the kingdom of God by what he did. And he also says the prophets have been fulfilled. Most of the prophecies in the Old Testament were basically prophesied out saying the Savior's coming, the King's coming, the Kingdom's coming. Well, now Jesus was here, so basically the Kingdom was here, the Savior was here, and all those things were already here. So Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with these things, I just came to fulfill what they were prophesying, fulfilling what they were trying to do in righteousness. Look at verse 18. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle in no wise pass from the law till it all be fulfilled. Now notice how serious God is about this. He says, heaven and earth will pass away before my purpose, my intent, what I want to do passes away. I'm serious about this purpose. I'm serious about my intent. He said, if I have to move heaven and earth to fulfill my purpose, and how many know he will? He's going to create a new heavens and he's going to create a new earth. Why? To fulfill the purpose that he started with, his original intent to bring a kingdom back to this earth realm and have man be ruler of it. And basically he fulfilled the prophets and he fulfilled the law at this time. All right, go to Mark chapter 9. If you can focus on the kingdom of God, you know, we have the 633, that's why we put it in our email, basically. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. It simplifies your Christian life. Many people are out there trying to do everything in the world. They're cleaning the toilets, they're doing this, they're praying, they're fasting, they're doing this. But if you just seek first the kingdom of God, everything else will line up with you. And as you're seeking the kingdom of God, you're going to find fulfillment in what you're doing. And all the things you've been chasing after are going to start following you instead because all these things will be added unto you. All right, Mark chapter 9. 
And Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, that there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with what? Power. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth could white them. And there appeared unto them Elias and Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, my goodness sakes, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elias. For he wist not what to say, for they were sore afraid. And there was a cloud that overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, hear ye him. Now, if you look in your Bible, this says this is the Mount of Transfiguration. I like to call it the Mount of Transference. Basically, Jesus went up on a mountain in the power of the kingdom of God, and at that time he saw Elias, and he also saw Moses. Now, what did Elias represent, or Elijah? He basically represented the prophets. He was one of the main prophets, so he represented the prophets. Moses was there. What did he represent? He represented the law because he's the one who got the Ten Commandments. So he's a representative of the law. Elijah was a representative of the promise of the prophets, and I can tell you what Jesus said here. He said, good job, boys. You did a great job. Elijah and all the prophets, you prophesied me coming and you prophesied. And hallelujah, here I'm here. So you did a good job. Moses, thanks for the law. That was great that you did the law. And you had the law here, but now I'm here. I fulfilled the law. Now mankind can become righteous simply by believing in what I did on the cross rather than by their own work. So he was telling them both, that's fine. Now notice in verse 7 what the new dispensation is. The father says, this is my beloved son. Now do what? Hear him. Notice, hear him. In other words, yes, you've had the prophets. Yes, you've had Moses. You've had the law. But now the, the prophet himself is here. The Savior is here. So I want you now to hear him. Now, we've got to figure out if we're going to hear Jesus, what did Jesus preach? He went all over in the four Gospels preaching nothing but the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God like? What should we compare the kingdom of God? This is what the kingdom of God. Jesus preached nothing but the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, because mankind lost his power, lost his authority when Adam sinned, and Jesus came to restore to mankind everything that he has lost and bring back the kingdom of God here on the earth. All right, go to Luke chapter 16. All right, Luke 16, once again, Jesus is speaking. It says, The law and the prophets were until John. Now, it's talking here, of course, about John the Baptist. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presses into it. So here, once again, Jesus is talking. He says, What was preached until John? The law and the prophets. But now, how many know now means now? But now what is preached? The kingdom of God. In other words, the law and the prophets, they've been fulfilled. The king has come. He has provided a way of righteousness apart from the law. Now hear him. What did Jesus preach? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, I went to Bible school for four years, two in one college, two in another college. And in that whole four years, I never had one class on the kingdom of God. I was going to different churches at that time, sitting under different ministries. I didn't hear one thing about the kingdom of God. Oh, they mentioned it. Oh, we're kingdom people. Yes, we are. But nobody had any idea what a kingdom person was or what the kingdom of God was. So I went through four years of college, and the, and the main message that I should have been learning about and should have been teaching about, I never even had a class on at that time. So the kingdom of God, hear 
ye him. I heard about faith. I heard about healing. I heard about deliverance. And there's nothing wrong with these things. But if the main focus is on the kingdom of God, it will take you into healing. It will take you into deliverance. And it will take you into prosperity. In other words, the kingdom of God makes these things available to every single person where you don't have to try to earn them. And that's what Christianity has done for years now. Well, if I pray and fast enough, God's going to do something for me. Look, look, Lord, I went to church on Sunday twice in a row. Please give me something. Pay my mortgage. But that's not the way it is. That's the way religion works. Jesus has already provided everything that you will ever need. Your problem is you don't know it, so you're trying to earn it, and you're trying to get it. The kingdom of God takes you into a place where you understand that authority is now mine. Peace is now mine. Healing is now mine. Joy is now mine. So what do we need to do? We need to start preaching this kingdom, and the gospel means good good news so it's the good news of the kingdom if it's bad news it's certainly not kingdom so it's the good news about the kingdom of God now why is the preaching the kingdom of God so important well I know it's important because Jesus preached it because he tells us to but go to Matthew 24 All right, Matthew 24, this is basically the chapter where the disciples got a little excited. They wanted to know when the end times were coming. Now, how many know that the church is much the same right now? Everybody wants to know when the end times are coming, when Jesus is coming back. Matthew chapter 24, look at verse 3. As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him private, said, Would you tell us what, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ but they shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes and diverse places. All these things are what? The beginning, not the end, the beginning of sorrows. Now look at verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. So they come to Jesus, they want to know what's going on, when all this is going to happen. And the same thing's taking place in the earth today, you know, back in the year 2000, Y2K, we were all going to explode and everything was going to happen. And some of you still brought, got canned beans in your garage probably from that time, and they're still in there, but nothing happened. And then when 9-11 hit, that was the end of the world. That was going to be it. That was going to be over. But notice, here Jesus goes through. And notice, Jesus didn't say, I'm not going to tell you. Look at verse 4. Jesus answered. He answered their question. He didn't say, it's none of your business, and I'm not telling you, and I could care less. Basically, no, he answered them. And he went on to say that many are going to come, say, I'm it. And he said, don't listen to them. He's going to be wars and rumors of wars. How many know that's been going on ever since I've been born? Nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famine, pestilence, earthquakes, and all these things are the beginning of the end. So when will the end come, Jesus? You're answering me. When's the end going to happen? Look at verse 14. When this good news or gospel of the kingdom is preached. Notice, not any gospel. When this gospel of the kingdom is preached, this good news about the kingdom of God, then what's going to happen? The end's going to come. So notice, here we see what the sign of the end times is. It's not a prophecy. It's not something falling down. It's not something blowing up. It's basically when the church preaches the kingdom of God to all nations for a witness. Now, the word nations here is a word, it's called ethnos, which means ethnic. Now, we know ethnic from the 60s. There was ethnic groups out there at that time. And it basically means the culture. It means your common thoughts. It means your language, your ideals, and your commitments. Lawyers basically have an ethnic. 
They basically talk different than most people do. They have different rules than most people do. And how many know they think a lot different than we do? In medicine, there's different terms. They have their own ethnic. Basically, what do they do? They think different. They talk different. Their ideals are different. And they have went to school for a lot of years to grab onto that epnos. They wanted to know these things. Well, this means the kingdom of God, basically. If it's going to invade, then you're going to have to learn the kingdom ways. You're going to have to learn the kingdom language. You're going to have to learn everything about the kingdom of God that's basically in the kingdom of God. The Bible talks about it starting out as a little bit of yeast, and it gets through the whole lump. See, some of us don't even have the yeast yet, so it's not going to get in our lump. So what we want to do is preach the kingdom of God to you to get you started, to get you hungry for the things of God and the kingdom of God, and basically then you can take your heart. You can basically learn the language of the kingdom. You can learn how the kingdom does things, how it reacts to things, how it gets blessed, how it gets financially well. And basically when you do that then, hallelujah, you will be able to take it into your church, you'll be able to take it into your home, you'll be able to take it into your businesses. But notice the epnos is coming. So the end depends not on a blood moon, not on a war, not on a prophecy. The end is controlled basically when you think about like God's people. Basically controlled by the church. When we fulfill our purpose, when we preach the kingdom, then the end will come and depends on us. All right, look at verse 36. My microphone's not even happy about not moving around. Look at verse 36. Jesus says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Now notice here it says, The Father knows the day. The Father knows the day. It says the Father knows the day, but it does not say the Father controls the day. It simply says He knows the day. Now watch, Jesus wasn't done explaining. Look at verse 37. But as the days of Noah were so shall also be the coming of the Son of Man. For as the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving into marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So he gave another illustration here basically on the coming. He said it was like the days of Noah. What was going on in the days of Noah? Well, people were just living their lives. They were eating, they were drinking, they were being married. And all at once, Jesus or God shows up and he says, hey, build me an ark. So Noah basically started building an ark. He said, start preaching, a flood is coming, which he did. Noah obeyed him. He built the ark. He was preaching that the flood was coming. And then it says, the day that Noah entered the ark, the flood came. Notice, the day that Noah finished the ark, the flood came. Now, the rain was in whose control? It was in God's control, wasn't it? But when the rain came, was in Noah's control. Because it was up to Noah when he finished the ark and when he didn't finish the ark. So now listen to me. When Noah finished his assignment, the rain came. When the church finishes its assignment, the Son of God will come back to the earth realm, but not until we fulfill our assignment that's here. What's that? Teach people about the kingdom of God. Learn about the kingdom of God ourselves. Learn how to operate in the kingdom of God. When this gospel of the kingdom of God is preached, now, how are we going to preach it if we don't even know what it is? 
How can we go into all the world and mention the kingdom of God when nobody even knows what they're understanding or never been taught in it? We can't do it until we learn. I mean, and we have internet right now. We've got email. We've got all sorts of things to get into the world. But if you don't know the gospel of the kingdom, you can't do it. We're experts in religion. We're experts in going to church. We're experts into looking holy on Sunday and dressing up. But what we need to be experts in is the kingdom of God itself. The kingdom of God is God's original purpose, his will, his intent, to extend his kingdom into this visible world through you, a family of sons and daughters. His will on earth as it is in heaven. All right, go to John chapter 1. Don't have to worry about lunchtime this morning. You can go to the fridge and grab something if you want to. Praise God, you're in good shape. All right, John chapter 1, look at verse 12. But as many as received him, have you received him? It's up to you. It, that's your choice. Many as received him, to them gave he power. The word there is actually dominion or, and authority. The power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now notice, once you enter the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ, once you get born again, basically at that time you have received the authority to become a son of God. God does not want you to be made a servant. He wants you to be made a son. Now, Christianity and religion has basically taught me to be a servant. I'm so unworthy. I'm not worthy to be blessed. Lord, I'm doing my best. I'm such a sinner. But notice here it says you've got the power to grow up to be a son of God. In verse 13 it says, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but you were born of who? You were born of God. So he born you back into the nature of God, the image of God, the likeness of God. That's not something you work towards. That's something that was automatic miracle the day that you got born again and you moved into the kingdom of God. So we've been taught for years, I'm just a sinner. I'm just unworthy. And I mean, he has a parable in Luke, the prodigal son. All these parables and all these things are to deal with your thought life because we're not thinking the way that we're supposed to think. So the one son took his inheritance. He ran off. He ended up in the pig pen. While he was in the pig pen, then he decided to go back to his father. And what did he say? I'm going to go back, and I'm not worthy of this, and I'm not worthy of that, and I shouldn't be this, and I'm going to tell my dad and all of heaven that I'm not worthy for this or that. And that's the way most of the church is thinking right now. That's why we're living in defeat. That's why we're depressed. That's why we're down and out. That kind of mentality, you don't need that. People try to put that on you without you doing it yourself. Everybody trying to talk you down, keep you down in a space. But notice, notice what the father said. He ran out and gave him a hug, praise God. Must not have been any distancing then, glory to God. So he <laughs> gave him a hug, glory to God. He wasn't afraid of that. So he gave him a hug, and he brought a ring, and he brought a robe, and he brought shoes for his feet, and he said, come on, come on in. I love you, son. I love you, son. What was he showing you? He's trying to show you the mentality that you go from Two, after you get in the kingdom of God. You're no longer a loser. You're no longer a victim. You're no longer all these things. No, you get, move up. And then remember the other one who was in religion, his other son? I worked for you my whole life, and you never even gave me a fatted calf. No, you never even gave me a goat. What was he doing? He was trying to earn his way into an inheritance that already belonged to him. And that's what most of the church do. Most of the prayers that the church does right now is trying to get something from God. But how many of you know if you just seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all the things you're praying for will be added unto you. I found out that basically religion basically seeks things through God. But kingdom seeks God and receives things. Two different things. We've been taught basically to use God as a springboard to get this or get that or get this from God. But when you seek God, you're going to find out that all these things shall be added unto you. So here it says it's trying to give you a son mentality. You're trying to become a son. How do I become a son? Well, think like one. Act like one. 
Live like one. Live like a son of God. You have been restored to the image and likeness of Jesus Christ, no matter what anybody else has told you out there. Believe what the Father tells you, not what everybody else is trying to tell you. All right, go to Ephesians chapter 2. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse 19. Now, when's now? Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, and you are a member in the household of who? Of God. So now, right now, what's he talking about? He's talking about people who got born in the kingdom of God. Right now, you are a son, you are a citizen. You're not a servant, and you are not a subject. The Bible is about a kingdom government that God is trying to establish here on the earth. It's not about a democracy. Now, most of us, like me, grew up in a democracy, so the only government we're really familiar with is a democracy, but that's not what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God basically is a rulership with God being on the throne. So in a kingdom, basically, you do not vote the, the leader in or out. How many know we're not going to vote God out? You do not get together and try to change his laws and make them fit our lifestyle. It doesn't work that way. Now, in a democracy, you can do these things, but not in a kingdom. The laws in this book will be the laws in this book. If there's another 4,000 years, you can get together in your local committee. You can get together in your local church and change the laws if you want to, but you cannot do it because it's a king and a kingdom, not a democracy. Here it says we are citizens, not subjects. We are sons and not servants. The Bible doesn't say Jesus is king of subjects. It doesn't say he's king. He says he's king of what? King of kings. Jesus is king of kings, and he is Lord of lords. And this kingdom, as you study it out, man, you're going to find out this is a good place to be. I mean, when you look at England and other places who have this type of government where there's a king or there's a queen, how many of you know if you flew to England this morning and you broke into the place and you wanted to sit on the queen's throne, you probably wouldn't make out very well. But notice, in God's kingdom, basically, we have been raised and seated in heavenly places on his throne far above all Kingdoms, principalities, and powers, a completely different kingdom. In the earthly kingdoms, the subject will fight. They will die to save their king. But in the kingdom of God, the king died to save his citizens, which were you. Everything is reversed. Everything is turned around, so you have to understand the difference. Christians basically have become religious creatures anymore. But when you find out you're in a citizen and a kingdom of God, you are a legal creature. In other words, you have legal rights in your life that you can do. And Christianity taught me just to accept what comes. I'm depressed this week, but most Christians are anyway, and hopefully God does something about it too. And I'm sick this week, and that's fine because everybody else is sick too. But notice, in the kingdom, you have divine rights that have been given to you by the stripes of Jesus, by the... By the torture he took on his soul and these things belong to you right now they are your inheritance so we're not going to accept that stuff anymore we're going to use our authority we're going to use our power we're going to lose our anointing basically what for we're going to do that to live a kingdom lifestyle like we're supposed to live hallelujah so what do we do we make a demand on our legal rights I have found out that I can demand to live in divine health I can demand to keep my joy. I can demand to keep my peace. How about this one? I can, uh, I can, I can demand to forgive. 
See, well, I just can't forgive them. You don't know what they did. Doesn't matter what they did. You're supposed to forgive. That's the way the kingdom lives. You forgive them no matter what they did for you. Religion offers things to God. Many religions out there offer sacrifices. They'll bring food to this or that. They got sun god, moon god, all these other gods. But if, even if you listen to the, the press talk, Christianity has been lumped right in with all those religions right now. They'll say there's Buddhist and there's Hindus and there's religions of the world and there's Christianity. Well, we're not a religion and we're never meant to be a religion. We were meant to be in a family family of God as a son and daughter of God and rule and reign here on the earth. The kingdom basically is made up of Christians, people say, but you're going to find out you do better if you find out the kingdom's made up of sons and daughters, praise God, with the same nature of God himself. I mean, when you, when you watch Jesus, they couldn't figure out who he was or what he was. They knew he wasn't a Pharisee, knew he wasn't a Sadducee, knew he wasn't a Herodian, and Jesus got a little bit nervous one day and said, who people say I am? And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, some say you're one of the prophets. Now watch, one of them said, you're Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, my God, you got it. You nailed it right there. That's who I am. I am a son of God, and that's what I'm doing to bring more sons of God. Religion for me was always searching for God, trying to get to God, trying to appease God. But I found out that kingdom is not searching for God. It's that God came down to search for me. Praise God. The the and the temple was torn from top to bottom. Why? Because it was the work of God that put us back where we were. In the kingdom of God, they have something called commonwealth. Wealth is common. In other words, every person who's born in the kingdom of God has access to the same wealth that God has. Now, we know that's not the way in the democracy, is it? I mean, it doesn't work out that way. So all these things, you can see they are different. And the best thing that this happens when there's commonwealth, and I have access to all God has, and you have access to all God, there's no jealousy. There's no reason to be jealous of me. Just find out how I'm receiving from God in the kingdom of God. Come and learn. The Bible says, my father, he wants to give you the entire kingdom. He's trying to get the kingdom to us freely, but we're trying to earn it. We're trying to qualify for it. We're coming to him. I'm not worthy of it. Well, if you're not worthy of it, you're certainly not going to get it. You've got to change your mindset to act like a son and a daughter of God. And that's what God's doing in this day and this hour. He's finally taking not you into space someplace. He's taking your mindset up to a new revelation of who you are in Christ Jesus. There is a kingdom people coming out, even in the midst of what's going on in the world right now, who are not going to think like Christians, who are not going to talk like they're not going to Facebook like Christians. They're not going to say stupid stuff that doesn't belong there. And they're going to find out who they are and what they can do through the kingdom of God. And we're going to see that we have royal blood, praise God, in our blood. That we are sons of the living God. And we can rule and reign in this life. Hallelujah. All right, go to Revelations chapter 1. Thank you all, eight of you. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. We're very thankful, too, that there's people in this church who can do this kind of stuff because most of you know I don't and can't. So there are people here this morning definitely to help out everything, and you should be very grateful that they're here because now you can see this because of what they do. All right, Revelations chapter 1. Look at verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth. Now, who do you think the kings of the earth are? Come on, we are. Unto him that loved us, he washed us from our sins in his blood. Now, notice, that has been the Christian gospel to me for 40 years. What is it? God loves me, and he has washed me free of my sins. What does that mean? I get to go to heaven. 
Are you saved? Yes. Washed in the blood. What are you going to do? Go to heaven. But nobody gave me any purpose for living between the time that I got saved at 30 and between the time that I'm living now. There was no purpose there. Why? I'm already washed and I'm going to heaven. What else do I got to do? But notice the next verse. This is the kingdom here. And he has made us kings and priests unto God his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So Jesus didn't come here just to save you and take you to heaven. Heaven doesn't need recruits right now. They're doing just fine up there. He needs you down here on earth to rule and to reign here on the earth. When Adam sinned, he lost his position, he lost his dominion, and he lost the spirit of God, his connection to the kingdom on the inside. But Jesus came to restore to us everything that Adam lost. We've been taken all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 where we now have dominion in every single area of our lives. You are not a servant. You are a king. How do we serve him? We act like a king. We lose our servant mentality, our victim mentality, and we start to think like a king here on the earth. God made you a king for the purpose of bringing heaven to earth, not for you to go to heaven and hide up there. Christianity and religion continues to seek God, but he came down to earth to find us. The Bible says, you have not chosen me, but I chose you. In other words, Jesus came down here, suffered and died on the cross to open the door so that God could call us into the kingdom of God. You are a son. You are a citizen. You are a king. You are a priest. Now, why does he restore you to all these places? He restores you so that you can do what you are supposed to do and what your purpose is. My purpose is to extend the kingdom into this earth realm. I want to do that in my character. I want to do that in my emotions, my feeling, my talk, my walk, how I handle every situation. I'm extending the kingdom of God. It goes every place that I go. But that's going to have to, in order to do that, you're going to have to repent you're going to have to repent. Why? Because the kingdom of God is now at hand. Jesus is the king of kings, and he is also the Lord of lords. So that tells us right there that we have been made kings and lords. We were born again into a kingdom and a royal family, not a religion. Our position is king in this life. Now, some people say, well, that's really good. It's king in this life. Well, if you're king in this life, then why live sick? Come on, why live depressed? Why be down and out? Why be afraid of everything the news media throws at you, for goodness sakes? If you're a king, you've been raised up far above all these things. You've got power and dominion over these things. You can rule and reign over all these things. And I found out in my own life, it's not a question, do I have faith? It's a question of, am I a king? If you question your faith, you can question whether you've got enough or not. But you can't question whether you're a king because that was done the day that you got born into the kingdom of God. You became a king by grace through faith. So you have to stop claiming what the devil lies to you about. He tells you basically that you're sick. He tells you that you're so weak. He tells you you're a sinner. He tells you you're insecure. He tells you the devil's after me all the time. No, the gospel of the kingdom says that you are a king, you are a priest, you are a son, and you are a citizen. All right, go to Matthew 18. In these days that we're living in now and as the days come, and especially if you're young, I mean, you're going to, if you pursue the kingdom of God, you're going to end up in some places where you better know that you're a king. I mean, you're going to be sent into some areas that uh, unless you're prepared to go in there, you probably shouldn't go in there to begin with. I can remember a long time ago, I had a, a guy that I worked with at the post office who basically ended up in, in one of those places where they drug you because your mind and you can't control everything, those, those kind of hospitals. And he was in there and he was one of the back place and I wanted to go out and visit him. When I walked in there, I'm telling you what, there were all kind of people in there. 
And you had to walk through them all because there was a recreation area to do that to get to those people. And I mean, people are talking at you, they're spitting at you, they're looking at you. And you better know that you're a king and not a Christian. I just love everybody. I'm just a Christian. No, you better know that you've got some authority when you walk through that place. Or you're going to walk in there with a fake mustache and a hat and everything else so nobody knows who you are. No, you can walk with your chest out, praise God, when you know who you are, when you know you're a king, when you know you're a priest in God, and you know where he's placed you and where he's put you. Hallelujah. All right, Matthew chapter 18. Look at verse 18. Jesus says, Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done of them of my Father. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there are there in the midst. Look at verse 18. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you, notice you, whatsoever you, what's not God, whatsoever you bind on earth, whatsoever you allow on earth, whatsoever you lock up on earth, it will be locked up. That's why you basically are a king. Hallelujah. You have the rulership down here. God will back up any decision that you make in line with his will. All of heaven will back you up. But you have to make that decision. You're the one it binds. You're the one it looses. It says whatever you bind, whatever you loose. Now, we're going to have to be careful because a king, in order to bind and loose, speaks words. And I'm just not talking about the hour in church on Sunday when you're blessed and God loves me and, and I'm on top of the world. I'm talking about Monday morning when the alarm goes off at 5 o'clock and you say, I'm defeated. I'm probably going to die today. This ain't going to work out. All those words are powerful because you are a king. And I mean, if you stand there all the time and say, I just ain't going to have a good day today, all the angels stand back and say, well, you don't want a good day today. We're just going to let him go and let him have a bad day today. See, your words are very powerful. When you understand you're a king, you're going to watch what comes out of your mouth a little more often because he's called you kings of the earth. He did not make you a slave. He did not make you a servant. He's not called you Methodist. He's not called you Catholic. He's not even called you Pentecostal. He's called you a son, and he's called you a king. We've been taught basically that we're just pawns here on earth, and God's up there, and he's got the strings, and if he wants you to lay hands on somebody, he moves the string over here, and if he wants to do it over here, and we've come to a place basically where we don't take any control of anything in our lives. But you have been given dominion over your circumstances and your situations by being born back into the kingdom of God as a king himself. That's why you shouldn't let things rule you here on the earth. Alcohol ruled me for 30 years. Plants all these things out there that people are in bondage to. You've got authority over these things if you would just do something about it and use your authority. People come up to me all the time, I'm a Christian, but I have a drug habit. No, you're a Christian who doesn't know they're a king. If you knew they were a king, you wouldn't have a drug habit anymore. You wouldn't have an alcohol problem anymore. You would take authority over that thing once and for all and run it out of your life. You were created a son, a citizen, and a king. That is your legal position in the kingdom of God. If you're a king, stop tolerating the devil. Stop putting up with the devil. Certainly stop agreeing with the devil. You need to cast out the devil and all of his works. He has to go, not because you're a Christian with faith, but because you are a king seated in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. You have a legal right to demand, to command, to bind, to loose, to heal, to set free, and to live free. He has made you a king, and he has made you a 
son. Now, if you're listening this morning and you're not even in the kingdom of God, you need to receive Jesus Christ right now as your Lord and Savior. He came here and died on the cross, basically, to provide righteousness for you, to bring you in right line with the kingdom of God. Once you come into the kingdom of God, then you are holy, you are righteous, and God can fill you with somebody by the name of the Holy Ghost who will help you learn about the kingdom, help you live the kingdom, help you do things in the kingdom. All you need to do is receive him as your Lord and Savior, enter into the kingdom of God, and then start studying the word of God. Praise God. That's all there is to it. So if you've been a Christian a long time, you don't see these things, go back over the scriptures that I gave you this morning. Start studying the kingdom of God and who you are in the kingdom of God and how to operate in the kingdom of God. And your life will start to change on a daily basis every single day. Once again, I want to tell you the new email. Basically, you need to, you need to email Latasha so she can get you on the mass email. It is my tcvc 633 at gmail. And you can also go to mytcvc.com. That is our website. Just click on message. When you do that, all the messages that we've done for quite a long time are already on there and all the people that did it. I want to thank you. We love each and every one of you. We sure wish you guys were here, but praise God, it won't be long before we'll all be back together again. And until then, we will see you next at 11 o'clock next Sunday morning. So praise God. We love you all. Thank you. dynamic words, go to mytcbc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube. So remember to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you.